Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the JGF podcast. I'm delighted today to be sitting with my Nithakaki, Nita Hindocha. Nithakaki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to have you here. Um, my pleasure to be here. Excellent. I can't wait. Well, let's dive right in. Why don't you, why don't we start at the beginning? And can you please tell us a little bit about your childhood and what it was like growing up? Okay, well, my very early years, I can't remember very much because we were in Uganda. Um, we came here in um, 1970, so just before the Amin uh, times. Um, we came, uh, I came with my mom, dad, and my Masi, uh, and my middle sister, Jamie, was uh, a, a year and a bit. Uh, we brought my Masi from Uganda uh, with us. Uh, so we stayed um, in, in, a, in a rented accommodation. And, and I think, if I remember correctly, we, um, we went to Manchester because my mama had already come a couple of years before. And so we went to Manchester and hated every minute of it there. It was awful. We were having to share a house with somebody. Um, it was just not what we were used to. Mm. Um, so what, really what, so what, what were you used to? What do you remember of your life in Uganda? How old were you when you moved? I was seven. So I, seven. I have vague, vague memories of, of just freedom, of, of not having any restrictions and... Uh, uh, and, and I, I, um, I'll tell you a little story. My mom always used to tell me, hmm. you know, Bad's cousin, uh, Hansa Masi, Arun Mama's sister, yep. she, she knew my parents well before I was connected with the family. And they had a, a shop right in front of our house. And she had two boys. My mom had two girls at the time. And I used to go into their shop and sit in their showcase for hours and hours, I'd run away from home to go and stay with uh, Hansa Masi. And she'd always said to my mom that we are going to take your daughter one day into our house and she's going to become our daughter. Oh, and wow. yeah, and it's so funny when when I uh, um, obviously met Makulkaka and uh, got introduced and then we realized that she was Ba's uh, cousin. Uh, when when my mom rang her to tell her the good news that I'd become engaged, she said, "I did warn you. You she'd become." <laughs> yeah, the prophecy came true. Did so she wasn't she wasn't the connection then to the no, Indochina no, clan. No, not at the time because we we were together in Uganda, right? And uh, she she they had a shop there, and and uh, I, while her boys grew up, yogi and. I, I was just their little sister and because mm. you and I are the same. And I think one of the boys, I can't remember his name very much, but I think he was a year or so, two years older. So right. I was literally, they, they took me in and uh, I used to run away every afternoon and go and sit in their shop. So, oh, incredible. so yeah. lots of freedom in Uganda. And you moved just before the sort of Idi Amin kind of regime yeah. change. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you remember why you left early? Was there 
Yeah, what what had happened is my sister, middle sister was born, Jaminy, and when in those days um, you had to send the mother's passport um, for the daughter for the child's name to be registered on the mother's passport. Uh, so my mum's passport went. My dad was already granted British citizen, and my when my mum's passport came back with my sister's name on it, she also got British citizenship. So obviously my parents had thought about coming to England at some point, but were very unsure, didn't know how to start the proceedings and everything. So the year before we came, when my uh, mom's passport came back, um, I think that just gave them the push to um, Mm -hmm. think of coming here, starting Mm -hmm. up a life here, Okay. And so that's how it how it began. Um, he looked into it, and it was easy, very easy in those days. If if you had British citizenship, there was very little questions asked um, to come here. So mom and dad made the arrangements, and I remember very vaguely that at the last minute, my nana, who was very ill at the time, um, he was dying of cancer. Um, he asked if my mom would bring my Massey here to better her life so and to find a nice suitable boy for her to get married and everything so that was yeah we we literally came here so that we could have a better life a better future amazing do what do you remember what you expected from the UK when you came or well, we ca- we came in June, so I know it it wasn't cold. I think that there was there was this um, idea sold to us that it was always very cold here. You know that it snowed, so <laughs> we were a bit. I was a bit disappointed to come here in June and not find any snow or any ice, and uh, <coughs> that 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 was a bit of a disappointment. Um, but I I I think. We got used to living here very quickly. Um, like I say, we started off in Manchester uh, because that's where my mama lived. So he came and picked us up from the airport and took us there and we rented a house. But mom and dad found it very difficult to get work there. Um, my dad had literally come with 50 pounds in his pocket. That was his wow. life saving. And um, wow. that was to see... All, all five of us, my Masi and the four of us. And uh, then uh, friends of my parents were living in Leicester. So they, um, every every few days, my dad would say, I want to go back to Uganda. I want to go back to Uganda. I don't like it here. Um, but these friends um, said, why don't you try and come to Leicester? Because there's a bigger community in Leicester there was a slightly bigger community uh, and there were one or two Indian shops where you could get a few bits and pieces, whereas there was nothing in Manchester mm. at the time. So we moved to Leicester and we moved in um, in an upstairs three bedroom um, with a kitchenette upstairs and the uh, landlady lived downstairs right. and it was amazing because where we were used to such freedom coming and going 
this you weren't allowed to come up and down the stairs because it disturbed her. You could only have a bath once a week, every Friday. And if you if you weren't there or you missed your chance, you didn't get another bath. Tough luck. Oh no. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was it was really hard days. So we, we started like that. We stayed six months um that way. Hmm. Then mom and dad uh rented um a house. Uh and again, uh by then my mom was working full time in a ladies' clothes uh knitwear factory and my dad started to work in metal box where they made initially they started off making coca-cola cans yeah and then they moved to all the other cans across that started to uh come out so yeah um oh wow i didn't know your dad worked for metal box that's really cool yeah yeah he 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 worked there till they bought their first business when I was about the age of 10, 11. Mm. They bought their first news agents. So up until then, both my parents worked in, in a factory. And I remember very clearly my dad doing shift work. So he would do one week, he would go in the morning and do six and come back by two. And the week after it, he would go at two and come back at 10. So it was six to two or two to two ten. To 10. Wow. Yeah. And mum worked from eight till four. Um, and I remember mum was very hesitant to take the job because she was told that she couldn't wear a sari. She had to wear a dress and she'd never, ever worn a dress before in her life. She'd only ever worn. Well, she, she'd worn a dress, but when she was younger, but never after marriage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a bit of a, a shocker for her. Um, <laughs> How funny. Yeah, and I remember we went shopping and I, I, I clearly remember her looking at these dresses and, and in those days it just looks, it, it, to see my mum in a dress so young, it, it looked so cool, you know, so <laughs> it, it, that was really good, yeah. Yeah, really nice. So you're a young teenager at this point. What's going on in, in your life? Um. Uh, well, I was um, seven when we came. So by the time yeah. I started schooling and everything, um, I had quite a lot of experiences. Uh, not always great, but the school I went to, I was the very first Indian uh, girl there. So I remember on my first day, all the kids, you know, they, they all huddled around me just to see what an Indian girl looked like and, uh, and and I know we were told that we have to stay for school dinners. And in those days, they didn't serve a, any vegetarian or very little. So I remember the first day, she the, the dinner lady gave me a dollop of chicken, uh, some kind of chicken on a plate. And I remember taking it in a corner and just sitting and crying because there was no way I, I was going to eat that because I knew the chicken had to be killed for, for, for hmm. yeah for the food so and I think because of the ethos we had grown up with and you know the uh, that you don't harm another animal you don't harm anybody so that went on for a few days I wasn't eating then my parents were called at the school and the first thing my parents thought was I'd been a bad girl because you know I was in trouble so I got a bit of a telling off before they even found out why they'd been called. 
<laughs> so um, you didn't you didn't want to tell them i told them but um so they knew that they uh they were eating problems but the school had said that during that time there was no lunch you couldn't bring your own lunch in so it was right. that or nothing um and the only other way you could is to go home for lunch now my school was really far so my mum used to drop me in the morning before um, she went to work and in the evenings um a local lady that used to live there she used to pick three or four kids up so she used to pick me up and she never did lunchtime so it was mm. or not eat basically yeah very um, tough. how did they yeah, react once the school told them why you weren't eating, did they let you off? They, yeah, they they said that, you know, it wasn't right for them to force me to eat meat and could they not provide any vegetarian meals? And the school sort of looked at them to say, well, what are vegetarian meals? You know, what, mm. what does a vegetarian meal consist of? You know, in the 1970s, it was, it was a different ball game. Mm. And uh, it was, uh, it, it took a little while for them to let me start bringing sandwiches or something from home. Then I, I was told to just sit in the classroom and eat. I couldn't join the dining, I couldn't join the rest of the kids in the dining room. So that set me apart a little bit. So that there, there, there were mm. differences. Um, but I think once I settled there and I, I got to know the system and I was able to accept that I was only away from my friends at lunchtime and it was okay to do that but and I wasn't going to eat meat so Mm. you know that was that was the sacrifice I had to make. Uh, Probably strong-willed position for such a young um, yeah I think I think we were we always had good upbringing in the sense where we were told our values and um, what's right and what wasn't. Um, and I was I was the first grandchild on my mom's side. So I was very, very spoiled. Um, and uh, but but nonetheless brought up the right way in 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 the sense we had, you know, we we, we knew right from wrong, basically. Mm. So yeah, from from so I've I'm glad I've never eaten meat, never tried it. Whereas I know a lot of my peers did because yeah. they were in nothing. that situation, you know. So I, I'm glad I resisted and I'm proud of that. Yeah, you should be. And yeah. d- did, um, so it sounds like you made friends, you know, eventually and they they stopped. Did you think it was, so they found it odd having an Indian, you know, join the school. Did yeah. you find it weird being at school with, basically lots of white children or not not really yeah because there were times when I was told that I wasn't washing enough I wasn't scrubbing myself enough because I wasn't I was letting my skin get dirty and I wasn't washing because I was still brown when I ended up going to school after a bath the night before so it it was it was funny but I think I think when you're a child of that age you you take everything into your stride it's Mm. it's you, I think the kids in those days accepted it, and I accepted it. Mm. Yeah, but it was it was it was a it was weird. It was yeah. when I look back now, I think, my goodness, you know, it, now it would have been a totally different ball game. So, oh, what were you like yeah. as a student, Nipakaki? 
very talkative. Uh, nothing's changed. Uh, I was always named a chatterbox. Uh, didn't really like studying. Um, also, with parents working uh, very long hours, um, I didn't always get the help at home to do the homework because mm. mum and dad didn't know half of what I was being taught and the way I was being taught as well. So um, there was a bit of a language barrier, obviously, with mum and dad. Um, I was very lucky that before I came to England, I went to an English school in Uganda. So I used to go to the English school in the morning, which was private, and um, at the proper Gujarati school in the evening. So I, I had picked up, I was fully, um, I was conversing in English fully. Mm, so that, right. that was uh, by the time we came. So that, that helped me tremendously. Yeah, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, great. But, yeah. So then moving moving through then, I guess, to secondary school and, and anything else, any particular special memories or funny stories or, you know, subjects that you particularly kind of drew your attention? I loved biology um, the workings of the heart and uh, kidneys and, 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 but that doesn't mean I was necessarily any good at it, <laughs> no, that's fair. But, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Um, wasn't very good with numbers. And no. so maths wasn't always a strong point, but I, I loved English literature and language. Okay. Um, and I think that helped with my confidence a lot because I was able to converse articulately mm. from a young age. Um, and, and that gave me the confidence to be able to stand up for myself and, you know, say what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing that that confidence came from literature and from learning the English language. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Having to adapt and deal with a different country. Yeah, I mean, it was it was dark days, some days, you know, mm. but uh, um, yeah, I remember once when um, we were living in a, a rented house and obviously we'd taken a paying guest because we we're trying to make ends meet in the third box room and the roof fell on him one night. So all sorts of funny things. Oh, that, my God. You know, wow. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, this poor guy woke up in the middle of the night and woke my mom and dad up and said his roof had collapsed over his head, you know, while he was sleeping. Oh so, God. yeah. Yeah. So we, we'd, we had our trials and tribulations. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh my yeah. God. So at this point, you're still in Leicester, in Loughborough. Yeah. No, like Leicester. In Leicester. Yeah. And I, I stayed in Leicester. Mum and dad settled there nicely. Dad got a good job. And then mum uh, was made, um, she was, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, she was made like a manageress in. Oh, great. in yeah. Got so a promotion? Yeah. She got a promotion, yeah, because she was so hardworking. Oh. Um, so, yeah, she, and uh, what, what we used to do is, um, she would come home at four I would get home and we would both help I would help her to cook clean we would eat early by 5 30 as a family 
Uh, and then she used to sew uh, sari blouses for everybody. And I would sit and do the hand stitching for it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and that was, I started doing that from the age of eight onwards. So, oh, my God. Yeah. You yeah. were fully house trained by the time yeah, you were 10. Yeah. Had to be, had to be. <laughs> yeah. And I used to put, um, I remember it was equivalent to our 25p. You know, the saris, the folds at the bottom of the saris. I used to do those for 25p a sari. Oh, cool. Yeah. What does 25p get you in those days? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. It, would pay for your, it would pay for your milk uh, for the week. Oh, wow. Milk for the week. The potatoes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Things Doesn't were matter. a lot cheaper. Yeah. Like two and a half pence, three pence, you know, everything was in, in just pennies, where yeah. now it's converted to pounds. pounds. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so yeah, in today's money, that's a, that's a good amount of money. That's some nice... Ooh. Some nice yeah. pocket money. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So um, maybe take us forward to um, kind of growing up and going through, you know, adolescence and maybe meeting the man of your dreams. <laughs> well, didn't get many <laughs> opportunities to meet um, uh, any any boys because obviously brought up quite strictly, being the eldest. Uh, by then, I'd got another sister, Sonal. So there were three of us by then. Mm. And uh, also my grand. by then my Massey got married, but my grandmother was living with us. Right. Uh, and she, she ran the home with an iron rod. You know, she, if, if you're, if I was late from school, five minutes, she would want to know why. So it was never my parents that would take me to task. It was my grandmother. Cause by the time my parents came back from work, I would have already had to be back home. Back so, home. Yeah, and started yeah. getting things ready. Yeah. Why was she so, so strict on you? Was she just worried um, about the she, culture? Culture and also um, years and years and years ago, my one of my fays ran away from home right. in the 60s. And she was a woman of principle. She had said from that day onwards that as far as I'm concerned, she's no longer my daughter and I will never, ever acknowledge her. And to the day she died at the age of 94, she did not acknowledge her daughter ever again. Oh, my God, that's so sad. All the, grand, all the grandchildren, because once the grandchildren um, all came from India and said, look, but, you know, at least acknowledge us. We, we haven't done anything wrong. My mom did. And she said, no, if I if I accept you, then I have to accept your mother. And I'm, I refuse to do that. So she she was a very, very principled woman. You know, she held very high regard and high values. And uh, so she was the authoritarian at home more yeah. than mom and dad were. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How do you think that whole period shaped sort of who you are now and how you dealt with? parenthood and I think we were learnt a lot of respect um in, in the sense that you know you you never talked back you never um or if you did have something back to say it was done in a very polite gentle way none of this you know teenage shouting and uh none of the grump grumpiness we've seen with our children you know any of that I think it 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 restrained us. I'm, mm. I, 
you know, definitely. Um, and it, it, it just, I don't know, it, it, it's still instilled the, what am I trying to say here? Um, part of my culture as well. You know, mm. I, 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 I never let that go because mm. it was important to me, you know, because the mm. way I'd been brought up was very important. Whereas I could see my sisters transisting uh, slightly differently because then mm. by then my grandmother wasn't living with us. So, you know, they, they didn't have to give an account of their up-to-date, yeah. Yeah. whereas I did. So I had different values, definitely. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. interesting, especially because you can compare across you and your sisters in terms of how they might have, you know, been shaped differently by some of those events. Totally, because there's five years between me and the middle one hmm. and 12 between me and the youngest. Some, and it's hmm. like, a, even with the middle one, it's like a generation difference. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, because parents were getting used to this country, the ways, and yeah. I think she didn't have it at all strict the way I did. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was the experiment, I think. <laughs> well, you got spoiled in the early days, so it's fair enough. Oh, you yeah. kind of came I mean, back. Even, even with, with being having the strict upbringing, we, we still had, you know, the... Uh, the fun times it was uh, but it it was always with to do with family it wasn't as much with friends it was always more family integration than mm. friends basically mm. yeah that's pretty cool yeah so uh, sorry I interrupted so um you talked about things being pretty strict in terms of not being able to see many boys or um or you know really spend much time with with friends and things um so how do you get introduced to um, young Buckle Hindocha? Well, I was um, at uh, Polytechnic and uh, um, one of our mutual um, relations uh, on my mum's side and on Bapuji's side, um, they um, brought the first proposal uh uh, to uh, buy in Bapuji because um, I, I was in Polytechnic in uh, Bolton and I was in a RAS competition and Binky Auntie's parents saw me in the RAS competition. Oh, really? And knew my grandparent, uh, my grandmother and my mama that lived there at the time and approached my mama and said, my grandmother and, and, and uh, yeah, Binky Bobby's mum. Spotted uh, you in the middle of the uh, yeah. She, she she rang by and Bapuji up and said, "I've seen I've seen a girl that would fit buckles." So, and that's how it all became. <laughs> she knew from the style of your dancing that you <laughs> must have done. Must have done. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, so okay, so so they take something to Bakugaka, and yeah, then... well, they took something to Bain Bapuji. Bain Bapuji, yeah. And Bain Bapuji researched the family as they did in those times. And then they realized that in the olden days, my grandparents and Bain Bapuji were, they worked together. My great, my grandfather and Bapuji were very, very good friends. Oh, great. And in fact, when um, my mom was only two years old, uh, my grandmother, 
um, had, my mum was two years old and my mama was just born. Uh, my, she, he had a throat infection and my parents, uh, my grandparents had to take my mama and mommy to where Bain Bapuji lived and they actually yeah. stayed with Bain Bapuji. Oh. And Kudnanfai was, was around my mom's age because she and my mom are the same age. What a uh, only six months difference. And I, my mom recollected that Bapuji used to swing Kudnanben and my mom. <laughs> so, so once they realized whose granddaughter I was, um, Bain Bapuji felt that they wanted to meet me and felt that I was, I, I could be the right girl for Bakul. So um, he, I think, had seen quite a few girls by that time. Oh, really? And uh, he, he said to them, I'm not spending every Sunday looking at girls and being introduced. So every fourth Sunday, you have to line up two or three girls. <laughs> and I will see them. That's how he did it, honestly. <laughs> so the day he saw me, he'd already seen one in the morning before me. That was obviously a no. And then he came to see me. And then he said yes. So he never got to see the third. So he often reminds me that he wondered what he missed out on. <laughs> was, it, was it like a job interview? Like, did you see the other girls like in the lobby or like in the foyer? Like, did you cross paths? The ones leaving in no, tears. Mokukakas told me about Mokus told me about it all. No, I I didn't know any of them. <laughs> that is that is amazing. So, what was your impression of him? Uh when I was first introduced, um, I was only 18 at the time. Right. So I was I was quite young. I hadn't thought about marriage, to be honest, at that point. Uh, and also my my parents' family come from quite a, an old, um, old-fashioned um, way. And my other, uh, my um, dad's elder brothers, he still had daughters that were older than me that needed to get married. Right. So... I hadn't come into the equation, to be honest, at mm. that point. So when um, the um, the proposal came, my mum and dad were a little bit shocked, but because they knew where it had come from um, and the type of people Bain Bapuchi were, the reputation preceded them, uh, they felt that it might be worth just seeing the boy and then taking it from there. So I don't think they ever expected for me to say yes when I did. <laughs> and it, and it's so funny because initially the, the first meeting was in London at my other's house. And um, my other, when my parents told them that I had a proposal and that we were coming to London and could we come to their house and arrange the meeting at their house, my other was a bit taken back and said to my dad, well, your daughter is still young. Why are you rushing this? Um, why don't we don't know anything about the family, really? We don't know nothing about the boy. So why don't we leave Nita at home at his house? The four of us, so my other, Babu, mom and dad, go to Bain Bapuji's house, vet the house, vet the, the boy, vet the parents, and then if they felt that it was something that they thought was right, they would 
then uh, say to Bain Babuji, come, come over in the afternoon to meet the girl, to meet me. Uh, and if they didn't, then they would not give an invite back. Um, and the funny thing was, my other has a younger daughter than me as well. So they went to Bain Babuji's house, sat there, had a cup of tea, came back a couple of hours later and my and my other actually sat my dad and said, and they called my dad Bachu, although his name is Gentilal, right. and said, Bachu, if your daughter doesn't want to marry this boy, my daughter is ready. <laughs> so, so obviously, Bahin Bapuji had... Uh, they had a uh, strong impression. I want, to come back. I want to come back to what their reputation was in a minute, but finish, I'd love to finish the story. So, so you're at the house in London. And... Bakul um, came to see me. And I, um, in those days, the girls always had to come in with the tray of the tea tray. And I refused. I'd said I was not going to do that. I'd started to rebel, put, put my foot down for certain things. So my cousin came with the tea tray. And where the position I was sitting, because there's quite a few in the room, Bakul couldn't see me, so he sort of gestured to Barabai uh, and said, I don't know which one is the girl, because the girl that's brought the tea in has got a skirt on, so it can't be her, and she looks way too young. <laughs> so <laughs> can I actually take the girl out to meet her, because I can't even see her, so there was no way he could even talk to me while we were there. So we had the official interview, uh, where he took me and Bakul Kaka being Bakul um, didn't know how to ask me if I smoked or drank so I'm in a sari and guess where he takes me to a pub nice yeah. just to test you out just to test me out and he um, I was told that the, the the one thing I'd always said to my parents was that I would not accept a boy that ate meat where I would have to cook for him because yeah. that was something I, I wouldn't be able to do. So whoever they picked would have to be vegetarian. Um, so that was that was very important to me. That was the one thing that I was I had thought about more than anything else, basically. Mm. So um, we went to the pub and I sat on this stool and I'd have been told, you know, chokoroche doesn't eat meat, doesn't eat doesn't drink he's such a good boy so you know the first thing he says to me is would you like a cigarette and I nearly fell off my stool I thought what you know I, I'm a good Indian girl there's no way I, I smoke you know and I thought you didn't and he says well I'm, I'm just testing you out and then he asked me <laughs> You didn't know your kaka was like that, did you? No, not at that age. I mean, he's always been the mischievous one, I think. Well, yeah. I might have, like, um, yeah, that's that's amazing that he, yeah. he laid out all these tests. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he did. But he, <clears throat> and then he said, you know, what would you like to drink? And I asked for an orange juice. And then he surprised me again by asking for a gin and tonic <laughs> for himself. And I was told, you know, meat and everything. Yeah. So I was a bit shocked. But, you know, it, 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 I didn't question it because I was too shy. It was my first date um, with, with a boy. And uh, so I was, 
I I was nervous. Yeah. Very yeah, nervous. Definitely. Yeah. What did, what did you ask? Did you ask him anything or were you, was it mostly him asking you? I think it was mostly him asking me. And I know one of the things that clearly um, set out in my mind was he said to me that when, if I accept him, he comes with by Bapuji that he, it wasn't a case where um, I would, we would be living on our own. So his parents were part of the package and because I'd always grown up with my grandparents and my grandmother living with us, for me, it just seemed a silly question because I'd always believed that, that the parents always came as a package. Yeah, you know? yeah. For me, that was just a norm. So I wasn't, I wasn't phased by that at all. Mm. Um, that was something I, I thought would happen. I mean, I'd always envisaged living in a household with maybe other brothers and and parents, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, That's yeah, yeah. So uh, that that was the way I'd been brought up, and and mm. my thinking had been that as well. Mm. So typical Bollywood film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. Okay, mm. so so you both say yes. How many? How long between saying yes and being married? Do you want? Do you? <laughs> well, we got engaged that very night because Buckle went home after talking to me. And um, he um, said to Bapuji, I like the girl. So Bapuji was on the phone even before Bokul got out of the car to say to my parents, Amari Hache. So then my parents said, what, what are you going to say? And I said, I didn't even ask him enough questions. I only <laughs> met him, you know, for, for two hours. I, I can't give you an answer. So... My parents asked what I would like, and I said I would like to meet him again. So lo and behold, they arranged for him to come back that very evening. <laughs> so he came back that evening. We went back out for about three hours, and we talked about what we wanted in our future, what we wanted in life, what, what both our goals were. Um, and that I, I, I felt that he was the right guy for me because, mm. but don't forget, I was, I was quite young at the yeah, time. So, yeah. 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 So it was, um, yeah. I, I, I know things differently now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you ask differently in the second round? I'm well, um, you know, it's great. You, it's, I'm glad you got to the second round interview, but I think it's, it's also a, a testament to who you were that you felt comfortable sort of demanding more time, um, where I'm yeah. sure, you know, lots of girls in that position in our culture and at that time uh, would have felt pressured into, just, well, he said yes, therefore, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's awesome. That's really, really I think, cool. I think because my parents were a little bit hesitant when the proposal yeah. initially came, because of my age and everything, they, they, I think, would have accepted if I'd said no, no. Um, mm. because they knew that we still had time. Uh, but then my mom sort of felt that, you know, if, if I was happy about it, then to go ahead. Yeah, that's great to have their support in that way. So, so then you said yes. We became engaged. Then that they came back again, Viren with your dad, Bharatada, Pinky Auntie, your mom, they all came back and we did the engagement at 12 o'clock at night. So in one day? Yeah. 
In one day, wow. In one day. What do you remember of um, like dad and Bartha and mom and Pinky Auntie at that time? I had a lovely impression that they were very modern, young, um, and I think that that was that was great because I was so young as well, and, yeah. and your mum was only a couple of years older than me, so that gave me an act. You know, it's somebody to look up to, and and mm. somebody I felt that was in my age generation rather than somebody quite a few years older, um, yeah. older than me, because Ma was obviously in her sixties, so that was. And my mum is only 19 years older than me. So that was quite a yeah. a big gap again, you know, a big generation gap again. So, yeah, it was, uh, it, but yeah, no, I, I remember meeting Big Yanti and your mom and, and they came across as really lovely. Um, something I, I felt I could get to know and to embrace as I came mm. into the family. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. So then... Yeah. So you say yes, you do the engagement ceremony on the same day after yeah. two rounds of, of interviews. And then uh, you get married. How, how long before you get married? Well, Bapuji was of the, um, the, of the um, way that once you've said yes, you don't have a prolonged engagement or, you know, you get, yeah. you get married very early. But because of my age and I was still finishing at college, um, my mum and dad requested by Mbapuji if we could have nine months. In By that time, I would have done my exams. I would have uh, come back home and be ready to get married. Um, initially, Mbapuji was reluctant about that. He wanted it to happen quickly uh, because Bakul at that time was looking at shops to buy um for as a pharmacy so they wanted something quicker but I think they did respect my parents in the end and um we but Bapuji's condition was that we did the registry wedding within six weeks so we got engaged and in six weeks we we got married officially but didn't actually get married the Indian way till October so right. we we did we did court for nine months in the end, but but <laughs> I courted as a missus, <laughs> missus Indocha. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so cool. Bapaji was one of the registry at least. Um, yeah, you were locked in at that point. He wants it official because you know all these long engagements they they cause trouble in the. In, they do. So he said, none of none of this, you know, Bapaji, yeah. you've got to convince the girl that you've got to get married in six weeks. So. Nice. That's what we did. <laughs> Amazing. Um, that's so cool. And then, you know, maybe um, maybe we talk about this um, as we go, but I'd love to just ask you about things like, um, you know, spirituality or like religion. And because, and, you know, clearly what's come through very strongly is, you know, you have a very strong moral stance on things like vegetarianism and what you want to eat. And you've talked about right and wrong. How do you yeah. think? How do you think about sort of spirituality, and even as you kind of look back on your on your whole kind of life so far? <clears throat> I think because I got married quite young, um, I had learned some bits from my mom, and then a lot of my learning came after being married as well. And 
living with my Bapuji, who had a very strong sense of um, spiritualism, that it was quite nice. And, and Bapuji always led by example in the sense, and he always influenced us, that if we felt somebody had done us wrong, he would sit us down and say, well, what's the point in trying to get retribution? You know, um, you've got to lead by example, you've got to forgive. And I think he taught us a lot of moral ways and mm. and and that helped with my uh, broadening my spirituality, um, believing in God and a mightier above, you know, and, mm. and, and having a conscience, you know, that if you do something wrong, somebody's always there watching over you, you know, mm. so. Amazing. So yeah. we've, talked, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, I wonder how you reflect on sort of parenthood and obviously you've got um, three wonderful children who are now, you know, having lots of children. You're, you know, congratulations again on the recent announcement um, from Ajay and, and Sarah. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, it's best time of our lives. Yeah, it's incredible. And um, how do you think about um, what you've learned through bringing up your own children? And now you, you have lots of grandchildren around you. Um, how do you think about parenthood? I would do it very, very differently now, Michelle. I see today's girls and their whole priority as it should be and their whole ethos is their child and the way they spend the time with their children. Whereas I think for me, a lot of mine was the cooking, the cleaning, the house had to be spotless. You know, the children, there were, there were regimental timings with the children. Uh, whereas I now see the girls of today and I absolutely bow down to them and, and give them a lot of credit for the way they bring their children up. Yeah, Definitely. I, I, I would definitely spend a lot more time than I did uh, with my children. Saying that I had three very quick together. I had three and two and a half <laughs> yeah. years. But, so that didn't help. But even then... Um, saying that that's no excuse I could have still spent more time uh, but there were too many other priorities which I felt were right but now I look back and I see today's girls and I think they were not important because look at the way the kids are growing up today mm. and the time these girls spend you know it, it's just amazing and I'm I'm in awe of them honestly I really am yeah you no know, I think I think that's entirely right. I mean, the boys are doing quite well too. I should, I should say. But um, the, I wonder. This has come up before. I think one of the reasons why, sort of, my generation, our generation has time, is in some ways because of some of the sacrifices that your generation made, right, to give us yeah. Yeah. security and safety, and to give us that privilege, I suppose, of choosing yeah. how to spend our time. Now we still have to make that choice and, you know, people still make different choices and, and, you know, that's, that's up to them. So I, I totally hear what you're saying and it'll diminish, you know, again, I agree we're surrounded by lots of wonderful mothers, but equally I, I kind of reflect on it sometimes and think we're lucky to have that position because we were given such a good start in our life. I think I think we we worked very very hard because our ethos in life was we never went without but we always aspired to do more 
and better for our children, you know. So if our parents worked, we wanted to work double hard so that our children wouldn't have mm. to. Uh, and I think we were that little bit, having been brought up here, obviously the Western influence uh, was part of that. Sure. Uh, and also the other thing, if, you know, you... you you wanted to do the absolute best for your child and, and give them every opportunity uh, because it was just so important to make sure that they were educated, that that mm. was our biggest. And I think that was something Bapuji um, was very, very adamant about with his children. And, and I think that grew in, in, in myself, living with him for so many years, that you know education was the most important thing and regardless of what, our children had to have education. You know, they had to have somewhere where they could stand and they wouldn't have to work probably as hard as us mm. in order to get anywhere. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's very fair. Yeah, and again, we're very lucky as well with what we inherited. And I don't mean necessarily wealth, but just the mindset and the culture and the, yeah. the, the family and the, the bond that we have. Um, so Nidhakaki, it's always um, a pleasure to talk to you and, and a privilege to talk to you and, and all the rest of the um, amazing grey sort of generation. Um, part of this, I do I do want to just reflect on people that I can't talk to or we can't, you know, record because um, they're no longer with us, unfortunately. So I'd love yeah. to just get your perspective on um, on a few people. Uh, let's maybe we start with Bayan Bapuji and you've spoken a lot about Bayan Bapuji and, you know, earlier you said, you know, their reputation preceded them in terms of, you know, getting you to come down to London for that first visit on that fateful day. Um, what was their reputation? What do you remember of them? Any kind of fun stories for everyone listening? There was a lot of respect out for them. Um, you know, I think how, how you treated other people was important. Um, and, and Bapuji always... Um, came across as, as very humble. And I think that, um, and living with him has given me a lot of values, um, which I've picked up from Bayan Bapuji is, is, you know, not always to question everything, but to accept sometimes and, and, and to have faith. That's mm. the other thing that I, I was taught with Bayan Bapuji is, is to have faith and and I think that's helped me throughout my life enormously because we have just as much of as fun we've had we've had hardship as well in our lives you know where we've had to work very hard had to make a lot of sacrifices and having faith has helped mm -hmm. definitely yeah. it gives you a stronger um foundation yeah definitely I'm so glad you said that. You know, a lot of things come up when we talk about Bapuji. Um, you know, he was so fun-loving. He was obsessed with, you know, education for his children. He was very forward-thinking um, for his time in terms of how he educated the girls and his family and, you know, all of that Absolutely. kind of stuff. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, they lived for a long time with both uh, in our yeah. house and, and your house. And, and the, his humility and his faith, for me, were some of the biggest things that... And his generosity, but... Those two things came through a lot and not, not many people have actually mentioned but um, those sides of his personality actually, which is really interesting to me. Um, yeah, no, I think I, I think he shaped 
the way our family is, he influenced a lot of that. And I can see it in the boys. Mm-hmm. I can see it in your dad. I can see it in Bakul. I can see it in Bharatada. And I can see it in the girls as well, but I can yeah. see it so much in the boys. And his ethos in life was to keep the family united. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is you always have friends in every corner of the world and they'll always be there for you. But family, there is nothing like family. Mm. When when the chips are down, it's the family that stand up by you. And, stand, and, and I think that has been my biggest... Um, if I had to say thank you for them, for anything they've taught me, is is family values mm. and and that I can now incorporate that in my family and my children, my daughter-in-laws in in the next generation, and I think that has been the best lesson in my life for me. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. What about Ba? Oh, Ba, Ba was uh, she she <laughs> she was very modern for for you know, for her times, her thinking, her um, everything. I mean, she, 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 she had a lot of, and again, she had every support from Bapuji. Um, and she, she wanted us all to have the ideal life. Mm. And she strived for that. She, she helped us all tremendously. I mean, I had a lot of help with my children, with, you know, had had Bain Bapuji not been here, I don't think I would have coped as well. You know, hmm. it, it was it was tremendous, and also having them that's given us the value, me the values to pass on to my children as well. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, I mean, she she was she was a mother, hmm. and she didn't treat us like daughter-in-laws. She she did try and te- uh, and and treat us like her daughters and yeah. and I think that that helped to adjust to the family very quickly there were no adjustment periods we needed you know where a girl comes in and she thinks am I going to settle with the family or not because it was just it was a very fluid transition you know amazing I've got yeah. to actually I've got a, a comment that's come up in some of the previous conversations is that Bakul Kaka was by far and away Bar's favourite, and I wondered if um, if she oh, treated... <laughs> oh, <he> was, <laughs> yeah. was that visible to you? And did that, did that cause he away with murder? Trust me, he could have murdered somebody, and she would have said it's okay because it's Bakul. Bapuji <laughs> 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 might have taken him to task, but uh, Bar had a, a very sweet uh, spot for Bakul, and uh, and and I understand that being the youngest, you mm. know because uh, she she lived with him the longest uh in a way so that that uh yeah uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> and um uh so one of Bapuji's favorites I think often people say was Vibafe um and uh, I'd love for you to, any any stories or any thoughts that you have on on Vibafe and her role in the family she was a force to be reckoned with in a very good way she um she was she was she was the fast train 
whereas we were all behind you know she she was the express train anything she anything fun she'd be up for you know anything at all and uh i i have a lot of lovely memories because she used to come and stay um with us because my mum she lived with us um she would come and she and latafai joshnafai joshnafai latafai didn't come as much but vibafai came every holiday because she didn't have children initially when i got married um mm. she because uh, there's only two and a half months between vishali and amit right so um but yeah she i remember her spending a lot of time with her um and uh, you know somebody again i would i would bow down to because the things she's taught me in my life humility humbleness and the positivity she lived her life uh it it's something i will always take away mm. and 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 be able to hopefully pass on to my children you know but she, that that girl had a lot to give and mm. and she did yeah amazing yeah. what a beautiful sentiment um what about vijay for vijay for i would say i knew him the least although i did know him just as much as raju for and walafua and uh, rashmi for as well uh, although i met him the least um vijay for was um i always felt that he was the sort of person where you know in the olden days you you see your children but not hear them he he was more like that he he was he would be more into um sitting with the men wanting to talk with the men um it's only in later years that i found he related to a, a lot of what we said but initially it it was always you know women shouldn't be heard um you know he 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 always came across i mean lovely guy but he did he had that aura that you know he he didn't everything you that came out of your mouth might be just a bit of rubbish so you know he, you you were asked your opinion or anything sort of thing <laughs> well now um so netaki we've got to the fun facts round so i'm going to okay. ask you some quick fire questions okay um, and you're going to answer if you if you um don't want to answer then just say pass and we can kind of move on so what's the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you um wow there's so many kind things mm. that uh talk about some of the kind things that people have done for you. you don't need to come up with your number one um be there for me yeah be there for me and give me the support um when i've needed it um i've had a lot of ill health i've had and and people like your mom vibafai latafai joshnafai they they've all stood by and instead of saying well you know wallow in it they've always come up with something constructive to help you get on so mm-hmm. definitely yeah no a lot of lot of uh, i think that those would in my heart be the kindest things that people have done for me is treat me that. like a human being oh, i love that um what's the most romantic thing that you have ever done 
treated Makokaka so well. <laughs> <laughs> other, other than that, of course. <laughs> um, I've booked um, for our uh, wedding anniversary, I booked uh, a nice weekend away. So nice. things, things like that, yeah, because... We, when when we had the three children, we didn't, even though my Mapuche lived with us, we didn't often go away because we had the shop as well. So we, we didn't always have a lot of holidays to be able to go and do anything ourselves. So that, that was quite a nice thing. That, oh, that's pretty uh, nice. That's yeah. Nice. I hope he remembers when you interview him that I, I did that for him. If he doesn't, then God, I'll it's going to be roused. I'll ask him. I'm interviewing him later this week. I will, I will ask <laughs> to say, what's the most romantic thing you've ever received? And see what he says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, you might have talked about one or two things already. Do you have anything that you would change from the past? Any regrets? Other than spending time with your children, maybe? Because you did talk about that. Um. No, because I think a lot of things were a learning curve and I probably wouldn't be here where I am if I didn't have those experiences. So if I wish them all away, then maybe I wouldn't be the person I am here today. So I think that's what shapes you um, is having these experiences. And some of them were knocks. Some of them, you know, were, were a level up, but... I think in order to live life and to, to get something from it, you had to have these experiences. I think if you have it good all the time, then you don't appreciate what is good anymore. And I think one thing that we often gets talked about a lot now is resiliency. And again, one thing that I think a lot about your generation, you're very, very resilient. And I think you're still able to have fun. You're still able to kind of enjoy yourselves, you know, a lot. Um, but I think some of those early moments probably prepared you and made you very resilient to some of the hard times and, and allow you to kind of get back up again. Yeah. Um, what, big question, what do you think is the secret to happiness and fulfillment? Having similar or same goals in life. It's, it's when, as a couple, as you grow, you do change as you grow and if you start to diversify in, in what you want and what your aspirations are, that's when the bridge starts to come. Whereas I think it's very important to have the same goals that you know you, you both want. So your end goal has to be same. Um, maybe getting to it, you may do it slightly different ways, but if the goal is the same, then I think a lot of it works out and makes... And I think we also... Compromise has been a big, um, a big part of our growing up. Um, we had to make compromises. You know, there, there was not just because we didn't like something or didn't want something a certain way. You know, you you couldn't walk up, walk out, and say, "Well, that's it. I'm calling it a day." Whereas, mm. I think sometimes um, the kids do find it slightly an easier way of doing that today. Whereas we we thought about what it would, that effect would do to our family, to everybody, basically. Mm. You know, the parents, everybody. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to the next question, which is any advice for my generation, the cousins, or for the next generation down, the C2s, as we often call them? 
Um, yes, I would say compromise is 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 a big, big part of being married. Big part of learning to live with somebody else, and because when when two people learn to live together, they both come from totally different backgrounds. Everything is very different, and then to to learn to live together mm. could sometimes make it or break it. And I think I would say that a lot of understanding, a lot of resilience, and compromise, and and don't see the negative, see the positive in in what you're trying to do for each other, because the the negatives are always there. But if you turn them into positives. That gives you a an easier pathway um, to to a happier marriage. I love that. That's really powerful about that mindset shift. Nindaki, um, what's your favorite book? Whoa, uh, I have too many. I I love reading, um, but I I I one of the ones that I've recently read is uh, Michelle Obama's um, Becoming. Yeah, Becoming, and and that I found was really powerful. Oh, very cool. And do you remember what you talked about doing literature and enjoying literature and any books from your past that you really enjoyed when you? Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. That, that is something that stayed with me forever. And I still have a, a copy of the original Jane Eyre I learned from and oh, wow. worked through my exams. And that's something uh, it, I know it's, it's, bit of a tragedy story there somewhere but it, it's always sat with me incredible what's your favorite yeah. movie my favorite movie um mother india i think okay yeah yeah that's my favorite hindi movie nice. um english again i have too many but um I, I, I think I liked um, Cleopatra. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a great film. Um, what is your favourite story about somebody else in the Jolly Good family? Wow. <laughs> Where do I begin with that one? Uh, gosh. Can I come back to that? Yeah, please. Um, okay, slightly random question, but if you had a billboard above a motorway and you could choose for it to say anything, what would you have written on it? Love each other and be good to each other and be kind to each other. Goes a long way. <laughs> Lovely. Forgive um, each other as well. So while you're thinking about your favourite story about someone else, can you tell me a story that very few people in the JGF are likely to know about you? Whoa, uh, I'm an open book, so. Uh, yeah. Everyone says that, and then they have at least one or two uh, hidden chapters. Uh, gosh. Oh, wow. Um... Any hobbies back in the day? Anything that might surprise people that you were really good at or adept at or um no not uh, nothing that sort of springs into mind because I think 
every, because everybody always accepted and always, especially the ladies would always say that, you know, I, I made sure I got up every morning, I did my hair, I, I got ready, I, my nails were always immaculate. So, you know, those sort of things that, that, that were important to me is to, you know, to get up every morning and have some sort of routine. Right. I, I live by routine because without routine, life is is difficult. I wouldn't be able to. So yeah. I think that that would. Um, I don't know whether a lot of people know, but I I need routine in my life. I need to know what I'm doing. I don't like sudden surprises very much. I I think as I get older, that get, gets harder and harder. That's really interesting. That's really yeah. cool. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, what do you think makes our family special, the Jolly Good family special? Again, I will bring Bain Bapuji into this. The way Bain Bapuji taught us certain lessons um, has kept us together. And it's those lessons that have, have, have helped us to stay close and not, a lot of things they, they taught us to forgive and forget um that and it it showed us that you know what you can be the bigger mm -hmm. person you can do it and if you do that it keeps the unity mm. and and i'm so proud to say that we have a wonderful unity in our family and i thought that we had a really great unity between the siblings but you know what Vishal, I am so proud, so proud of seeing it in you cousins, even more so than we have been able to show and to live with. You guys are something else. The way you cousins meet up, you know, make time for each other. I really take my hat off to you guys for that. Oh. I think that's that. And, and I see it happening with the C2s as well, mm -hmm. you know, the, the close-knit. Yeah. Um, unity and I think that from for me comes from buying Bapuji definitely oh yeah and I think um, I think well to be honest I, I always give you and my mum uh, and Latafe and you know there's a lot of credit because I think I think of all the summers and the you know school holidays or weekends where I mean Ajit would spend at ours or we'd spend at yours or you know whatever and we kind of lived in each other's pockets for a long time even though there was a decent amount of distance, I guess, between, you know, North and South London. Like I never, never really felt that way. Right. So yeah. I think we've, we've always sort of grown up together. So it made, it just made sense the whole way through. Like it didn't feel like it's any special effort, which is, it's kind of cool in its own way. So last, 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 last question uh, or questions. I'm going to just give you a name of somebody and I want you to describe them in three words. So the first three words that come into your head. Okay. So these okay. are people in the family. So we'll start with Kundanfei. Um, very nicely authoritarian. Okay. Uh, being the eldest, uh, it's something I felt I've I've looked up to her for. Um, kind uh, and very loving. Right, love that. Uh, Josnafei. She's a darling. She, she's an absolute darling. She's got a depth of understanding and 
she is not judgmental. Yeah, that's great. Latafe? Latafe is very righteous, but again, in a good way. Um, she, again, is, is very generous, um, but she... I would say she's she's got strong beliefs. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Uh, wow, what can I say about that lady? Uh, courage, positivity, and humility. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Uh, wow. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> a joker <laughs> and again um humility definitely hmm. interesting um my dad Karen? your dad is the pillar of this family after bapuji oh you think so uh, yeah i i i totally believe it um I have a very soft spot for both Murda and your dad, because um, they've always treated me as part of this family. They've, you know, always been fair, um, and I, I have a lot of love and respect for your dad. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, and last but definitely not least, Buckle Kaka. Wow. <laughs> well. As you know, I love him <laughs> a great deal. Uh, even though That's we got married very quickly and we were forced <clears throat> at gunpoint to get married at one point. <laughs> um, he's, again, he, he's he got a lot of Bapujis um, bringing up in him, a lot of ethos from Bapuji. He's very, very positive. He's taught me to be very positive in my life. Mm. Um, because often I have seen things negatively and he will always turn it around and, and, and show me that the glass is never half empty. It's always half full. Mm. Uh, and that for him, that I thank him for throughout my life and for giving me three lovely children. Yeah, of course. Um, well, that's... and all the grandchildren that we're going to have and have <laughs> got already, <laughs> so many already. Um, the so next generation is nearly enough, not nearly enough. We not, still want, yeah, more. yeah we, we'll get there. I think we worked out. I think was Aria the baby that meant that the next generation is now bigger than the cousins? Is that right? I think yes. we got that right, yeah, yeah. And now, yeah. you know, fingers crossed for Sarah, but that that will push the next generation over. Over the cousins, yeah. Um, look, it's been so amazing talking to you and hearing about your your stories and your history. Is there anything I didn't ask, or anything that you wanted to share um, that you want to share with the people listening right now? We could always do round two another time. Um, no, I think I've said everything I wanted to say. Um, I uh, have a lot of love for your mom and Binky Auntie. That I've always looked up to your mom. Um, she's always, I felt, led me the right way. You know, she's she's again 
been a really great sounding board uh, mm. in many ways. And I thank her for that. You know, she's, again, where I could have seen things a little differently, she would have set me right and set, you know, and, and teach me that, you know, you can, there is another path that you don't always have, to, there isn't just the one path. Um, but no, I think everybody in the family, I think I'm, I've been very, very lucky to um, have the family I have. Um, I, I wouldn't swap any of any of them at all, even Bakulkaka. <laughs> what a perfect note to end on. Nifugaki, uh, <laughs> thank you so much um, for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, we'll speak soon. Okay. Love you. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.